In the name of one triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. In his open letter from Birmingham jail, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. wrote this, all men are caught in an inescapable network of mutuality, tied in a single garment of destiny. Whatever affects one directly affects all indirectly. I can never be what I ought to be until you are what you ought to be. And you can never be what you are ought to be until I am what I ought to be. This is the interrelated structure of reality. This morning we hear as Carolyn Reineck so beautifully canted the setting of Sir G.T. Ball's words of the 67th Psalm. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Is it a song? or is it a psalm? The 19th century English preacher Charles Spurgeon writes, a psalm is a song, but all songs are not psalms. This is both one and the other. Psalm 67 is my most favorite psalm in all of the Psalter. While it shows up once a month for those of us who pray the hours of the daily office, it only makes an appearance twice in our regular Sunday services. Once in the season of ordinary time on the Sunday of proper 15 in year A, that's today, and again on the Sunday of Easter 6 in year C. I have never, ever heard it preached in the Easter season. And that makes some sense, right? I mean, it begins with a call for mercy. And that's sometimes associated with more penitential moments, not necessarily post-resurrection. But this year, may God be merciful to us and bless us. I'm feeling it. This psalm is very likely a national hymn of thanksgiving, a song for the summoning of the people, for celebrating a harvest gathered, a meal served, communion, and community. Many scholars think it may have been sung at the beginning of the Hebrew New Year. In seven short verses, the psalmist the chief musician, as we read, calls us forth in this great appeal to praise God as he calls us to a sweeping, ubiquitous worship experience. Seven short stanzas, easily memorized for their length and their content. The psalmist provides us with some of the most memorable delights for our senses the sights of the light of the very face of God shining upon us, the image of the creator as our guide, the image of the peoples, all the peoples known upon the earth, celebrating and praising God, and the sounds, 
the shouts of all of God's beloved people praising God. And the silence, the silence of all the ends of the earth who stand in awe of God. And the smells that the harvest evokes, the aromas wafting upward from a feast, a feast at the great banquet table. When you finish worshiping with us today, I hope you'll go back to the ball setting and listen again to Carolyn. I hope you'll do it over and over again and do it without the bulletin and without the words in front of you because these songs of praise, they're from an aural tradition conveyed primarily by sound. They aren't intended to be read. They are intended for us to listen and to hear, to feel God's mercy and grace, to picture this missionary journey that we are all on together. Sometimes we wonder, and often aloud in Bible studies, why does the Bible use the particular language that it does? Why are things repeated in a particular way? Why does this feel familiar? Well, if you're a New Testament scholar, a scholar of the Hebrew covenant or the Old Testament, you have a good memory or you come from a peoples with an oral tradition, there are things that might stand out to you right away. Even in its brevity, this is a powerful dynamic song, and it's often referred to as the Potter Noster, or the Lord's Prayer of the Hebrew Covenant. It's also a reformulation of the blessing that God tells Moses to give to Aaron and his sons in the book of Numbers. It's called the Aaronic Blessing. And for those of you who are advocates like me, lovers really of choral music, you may know this blessing well. May the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Especially if you are a fan of the sacred music of John Rutter because his is one of the best-known settings. The main difference between the ironic blessing and the words in the 67th Psalm, this blessing is universal. It is not an individual blessing that the psalmist desires to portray. It's a blessing for all of us. And our mission work is the task of all of the church, for all of God's people. And that's a very important distinction. The psalm says a great deal about our relationship with God and our understanding of God. And in these days, when the psalmist, this time in the lament of Psalm 4, writes, Oh, that we might see better times. I think it is our very hope and joy that we see God in these ways of this psalm. 
ways that provide us with measures of endurance and reward of the promised land. We see God's face shining upon us because God does not turn away from us. God acknowledges us. In this divine light, it shines and God's way is made visible to us. We're invited upon this vigorous journey led by the light of God. And it is this guiding light that we need for our travels. And also we need it so much to avail ourselves of the opportunities we're being given to spread the love and compassion of God. God is not distant from us, but God is near to us. And make no mistake, we are on a journey. Much like our friends from last week as we witnessed the transfiguration and the confusion of Peter and James and John within the context of God's revelation of the Christ, we're up and down mountains right now. We are witnessing things that we've never seen before. We're trying to make sense of the laws and the prophets, the rewards for the nation, juxtaposed to the reconciliation of the peoples. Where are we called to be? Who are we becoming? And these mountains, this journey of ups and downs, well, it's interesting that the composition of the psalm in the verbiage of the seven stanzas, when it is taken and turned on its side, it's intended to remind the listener abstractly of the major role that the journeys of the ups and the downs through the mountains, and especially the Mount of Zion, played in the Hebrew covenant, sharp hills and deep valleys. And these are starting and ending points. At the beginning of the psalm, we, we hear a call for God's blessing for all. And at the end, we hear a call for God's blessing for all. And these are the two sharp and identical areas of starting and ending. And, and then we come to these sharp and identical hills on the way to the mountaintop, on the way up and on the way down. Let the peoples praise you, O God, we hear repeated. Let all the peoples praise you. It's a lesson that there is no way up the mountaintop. There is no way to being glad. There's no way to singing with joy. No way to a God who is the guide of all the nations without praise. Praise for all. Praise by all. The psalmist calls us to a joyful thanksgiving for all of what God is shared with all of who is God's. And not just in this lifetime, but for life eternal. The church is at work in the world today, in the world today for the world today. And I hear again the words of Dr. King, whatever affects one directly affects all indirectly. I can never be what I ought to be until you are what you ought to be. 
I also can't help but think of Dr. King's speech from Memphis, Tennessee, the day before he was assassinated. He talked about the mountaintop. He said he'd been there. He said he'd seen the promised land, the promised land in this world. This world is the only one we have. And there are glaring inequities in the conditions of the nations and the peoples. 75% of the world's population live on less than $10 a day. That's five and a half billion people. Over 700 million people are food insecure. Global warming affects us all and the violence that consumes the whole world is surely intertwined with a profound hunger for love and God and joy that we have been unable to satisfy. Surely the people of God have something to say in these days, something to say in the name of Jesus. And like the disciples and the tribes who've come before us, we're being called to a mountaintop. We're being called to exercise a dangerous unselfishness, to embrace good trouble, and to sing this ancient relic of a song of praise in the shining face of God who makes all things new. How are we facing our challenges? How are we carrying out the laws of the beloved community and becoming the prophets of and for a new generation? How are we loving our neighbors like we are called to love ourselves? How are we making the journey? The mission of the church is to restore all people to unity with God and each other in Christ, that we all may be one. I'm so very blessed to be making the journey with you through the deep valleys and up the sharp hills to the mountaintop, the promised land and beyond. It is good that we are here together and God is with us every step facing us as we face the challenges of these days. And for that, and for each of you, I say, let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you.